We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, folks. Uh, We're starting off this episode with a trigger warning. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Um, We're doing a two-part episode series for the month of April in an effort to help bring awareness to issues humans face every single day. If you know us, you know we like to say consent is my kink often, and consent is a huge part of intimacy for everyone. We've created merchandise that we're selling on our website, theholyhour.com, and we're donating 100% of the profits to RAIN, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network for Sexual Assault Awareness Month. If you're sensitive to topics relating to sexual assault, we recommend you skip this episode, but if you still want to contribute, feel free to check out our merchandise or donate to RAIN directly. If you or someone you know needs help, call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at one 800 656 4673. Have you ever been curious if something's a kink and so you look it up on a porn site? No, but I will be doing that now. Yeah. What do you have any specific examples? Farting on cakes. (laughs) On cake? Like to blow out the candles? No. Maybe. That would be kind of a cool trick. Farting on cake was one of them. What was the other one that I looked up? Will you explain that train of thought to me? How did did you get there? Well, okay, so I didn't originally look for farting on cake. I originally looked for farting kink because I was like, what is the least sexy thing that I can think of that might be a kink? And it was farting. And I already know shitting is one because of two girls, one cup. I've never seen that, and I never Don't. will. It's it's literally the worst. It's up there with a David Dobrik video for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going to watch it. I refuse. <laughs> I don't care if everyone is talking about it. I'm not going to watch it. God, I'm so heartbroken over that whole thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I eventually saw, saw videos of um, people farting on cakes. So that's a thing that exists in the world. And I thought maybe it was labeled as comedy. You know, there's like comedy <laughs> porn. It wasn't comedy. But you know, I'm not going to kink shame, but like cake. Like I want to know what happens in someone's life for them to end up with a farting on a cake kink. Uh, 
Welcome to the Holy Hour. I'm Amelia Sampson. And I'm Liz Ball. Thank you for joining us for part two of our Consent is My Kink series for Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like feel it's it's difficult. I'm so used to just like shooting the shit with you on these episodes, yeah. you know, and I don't it's that's obviously not um appropriate for this series. So I'm feeling a little uncomfy. I'm more nervous today than I was last week. Yeah, me too. I think it's because we're wrapping it up and there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. It feels like uh, when I first start my therapy sessions and my therapist and I are just staring at each other like, well, I'm here again for another week. Yep. I have the hardest time jumping into topics. Yeah, we just stare at each other for the first couple of minutes and I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) Sue, how's the kid? I'm a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Do you have any other kids? (laughs) She doesn't tell me anything about her life. I don't blame her. Yeah. I know. Yeah. My therapist is very structured about how much she tells me about her life. I know that she has a couple of kids and that where her first job was. That's it. Hmm. That's it. Even though I dig, she's very masterful at keeping things worth Yeah. I found mine on Facebook, but there's nothing that I can see. It's just her face. Your therapist looks like a cool ass person. She is a cool ass person. The way she talks is very like proper and uh, she enunciates every single syllable. Does she have a PhD? Do you know? Yes. What a smart ass. Mm -hmm. Love that. Um, Speaking of therapists, uh, my um, fitness instructor who has listened to a few episodes, we were like talking a little bit before one of the classes started and um he was like the craziest people who come in here are actually like therapists like some of the most insane people I've met and uh he's like that makes me nervous (laughs) (laughs) and then I asked if it was any of them were named like my therapist name and he's like no and I was like thank god (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) phew (laughs) I low-key wonder if my therapist listens. Yeah, I mean, our psychiatrist does. <laughs> we're special. <laughs> we're not know. saying we're her favorites, but... <laughs> Just kidding. Amelia's we, her favorite. No, uh, we're both such huge fans of hers. I'm, She's fantastic. <sighs> anyway. Okay. Let's. Get, now let's, that we've gotten uh, our uh, psychiatrist love out of the way, uh-huh. we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, so... To kind of pick up where we left off, um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about was Promising Young Woman, and this will contain spoilers for the movie. Um, Sorry about it, but uh, I think that they did a really great job of just, like, showing that this happens to every single woman. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like how they made Carrie Mulligan just look like a regular girl. I was just about to say that and like how she carried herself too. her personality was it kind of covered a lot of grounds mm-hmm. for different personalities. She was like confident, but not confident and like, you know, not really like blossomed into who she is, but was very much rooted in who she is. You know, like they really covered a lot of ground on personality structures to make it feel like it really she was everyone, mm-hmm. which was really, really well done. I also like that. So someone made Like, I can't remember what website it was, but they did a review of her in this movie and they essentially implied like 
she wasn't hot enough to play like a femme fatale and then she called them out on it good and then they had like a big apology about it and they're like you're totally right she's like you missed the point of the movie (laughs) and she's like i i don't know like you're criticizing and obviously since i apologize whatever but um i liked there's a scene where like she has like these really shitty hair extensions yeah and when i was thinking about it i was like that's just like some drunk girl out at the bar that's perfect Mm -hmm. like she doesn't need to be like fierce and ferocious looking in every single scene like she needs to look like every single woman mm-hmm. and um also like for them to imply like carrie mulligan isn't hot enough to play this role i'm like have you seen her yeah yeah she's beautiful right that's but even that was never a question for sure and even if she wasn't it's just yep. like what mm-hmm. <laughs> that you completely went it went completely over your head um and aside from uh those types of things like the character development and the plot line and things like that the scenes were like visually beautiful Mm -hmm. I also not that that's relevant but they all they make some very obvious allusions to um like the bible yeah um just how she sacrifices herself for exposing the bad behavior of men she was a martyr yeah there was a lot of like I don't know. It was cool. I called out, I was watching it to my family and I called out that there was like a lot of religious imagery in it. And there were some scenes that I wouldn't have even noticed it. And my brother would be like, oh, there's one. And we'd pause it. <laughs> and it was like, it was cool because. Sit and discuss. Yeah. That's fun. And it made you, it was cool because not only was it like a martyr image, cause that's what this character was, but like it showed too that every single part of this movie was important. Like mm-hmm. even the stuff that you didn't think was, I think that throwing in stuff like that that it's like only a few people might notice it or like you wouldn't notice it unless somebody told you shows like how much attention to detail was paid through the whole movie and like it came down I've heard you talk about this a lot like it came down to the casting of who they cast as these like shitty guys Mm -hmm. um like everything was just chosen so carefully yeah so let's get into the the men that they cast Mm -hmm. so um, a lot of the men that are in this movie are just like Hollywood sweethearts. Like they're they're good boys to us. Like um, Bo Burnham. Oh my god, he did an amazing job. I absolutely despised him. Yes. Um, because I loved him, and then he made me despise him. I didn't realize he could act. He was phenomenal. Yeah, he's I deeply admire him. Um, and then also uh like. McLovin. Yeah, the guy who plays McLovin. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. And then the guy who plays um Adam Brody. Is that that's his name? Is it, what? Adam Brody. Is Wasn't he that in the, that? He's at the beginning of it. I'm oh. sure that I have He was the guy that tried that um was with his friends in the beginning. Oh, okay. There's also <laughs> Yeah, Adam <laughs> Brody. Google it up. Uh and then there is Max, what's his face? In Gr- um Green yeah, yeah. Uh, Schmidt. Yeah, he's Schmidt and New Girl. And then if you've seen Glow, the um, the wrestling announcer in Glow, I love him in Glow. He's adorable. So there are these men. Those are like some of the men in this movie that like, you know, you recognize, you love them, you love the roles that they're in. And they 
behave so terribly, like taking advantage of drunk women, Mm -hmm. um, bringing them home, and then they'll start kissing her, and then she she's just pretending to be drunk, and then she um, will be like, no, no, and then they're like, it's fine, or they'll keep going, and then she stops, and she's like, I said no. And then they're like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then they're like, you're fucking crazy. And she's like, you were about to assault me. Like, what do you not understand about no? So she's just going out there pretending to be drunk to teach these dumb fuck guys a lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how it starts. And then uh, she does all this because her best friend was uh, raped while they were in medical school. And um, the her best friend her best friend brings it to the school's attention. They do an investigation and they don't do anything about it. And she, they basically imply that she, um, dies by suicide. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Carrie Mulligan's character is out for blood Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, um, she works at a coffee shop and, uh, this guy that she went to medical school with Bo Burnham, like comes in and like um I don't know they hit it off and you just adore him and And he's a pediatric surgeon yeah and he's funny and clever and he takes her shit and like I don't know uh she spits in his coffee and then he he drinks drinks it it. yeah because he's like I deserve it and then the uh the person she's working with at the coffee shop is just like what the fuck is going on (laughs) Cox I love her so much one of the instances that I think that really hits home is Bo Burnham's character. Oh, Alison Brie's in it too. Mm-hmm. So Alison Brie also went to medical school with them and um Alison Brie like victim blames the best friend who has died. And she's like, well she shouldn't have been so drunk. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, nobody's gonna believe you when you sleep with the whole school anyway. Yeah. And um <laughs> we all know those people. <laughs> yep. And then uh, Carrie Mulligan gets Allison Bree's character like belligerently drunk, and uh, she makes her absolutely lose her mind, thinking that she went home with some guy and like slept with him. And Allison Bree's character is married, and then she realizes like, oh, <laughs> I was so drunk I could have been taken advantage of, mm-hmm. and. Um, then she confesses to Carrie Mulligan that there was a video that went around and she sends Carrie Mulligan the video. She leaves the phone with her. Uh-huh. And when she starts watching it, it's Bo Burnham's voice recording this video. And I remember being absolutely enraged. Yeah. I mean, they, they did such a good job of having us fall in love with him. Like he was like uh-huh. the one good guy in the movie. Like yes. we knew that she was like trying to get revenge on all these awful men. And then the one good guy, they had this whole like falling in love sequence. Like her life mm-hmm. was finally falling into place. And then he was also involved with it. And this is perfect for the David Dobrik example too. Yeah. He is, he was this sweet guy that everyone loved. And then, um, like, I was reading a comment that explained what what happened essentially and it was just that uh, these girls were like incredibly drunk and they pressured them into having a threesome and like um, they were like 
poking their heads in and laughing and filming outside of the door. And she's like, I, the, there's like a video of one of them not even being able to stand up. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just fucked up. Yeah. And like this movie does a perfect job of showing that this fucking happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The one good guy is out there doing shit like this mm-hmm. and encouraging it. Mm hmm. So last year for Sexual Assault Awareness Month, I had written a piece about um, an experience I had with just like safety and objectification in my past relationship. And I am going to read it because I think that it still rings true. And originally when I wrote it, I was really worried about sharing it um, because I was worried that like his friends would read it and... What was your fear with that? What like what would it mean for his friends to read it? I just think that it's so easy for us to be on the outside of something and be like, oh, that director or actor or musician abuses women and does bad things. He's a bad guy. But when it's someone we know, like or are familiar with, people are less likely to believe you and to challenge you. And that's where the victim blaming happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that was a worry for me of people just thinking like, oh, she's just writing about this to like get back at him or to get revenge or whatever. And that wasn't the case at all. Like it wasn't something I had initially thought about until I had been in therapy and like had multiple experiences where I was reflecting on things that had happened um, that made me realize like this behavior sucks. And if someone that I loved and trusted was treating me this way, like how many other women is this happening to? So when I wrote this, I titled it look under the mask, which is a little ironic. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. A few nights ago, I changed the caption on one of my Instagram pictures from August, 2018. I was sitting on my couch, staring at myself in the eyes, wondering why this picture was so painful for me to look at. I didn't know when I had taken it I was going to have a terrible night, and that would be the turning point of my relationship. But it's not the end of the relationship that had made me sad. It was something else from somewhere buried deep in my chest. It was an accumulation of feelings caused by the experiences I've had of being sexually objectified and harassed that has resulted in my awareness of my own safety physically and emotionally. And this time it happened to be captured in a photograph. I realized that the grief of being sexually harassed and assaulted hides behind photos of smiling women. Here's what I wrote. 3.30.20 edit. I love this picture, but it also makes me incredibly sad. This night I went to a themed party with my boyfriend at the time. By the end of the night, I was incoherently drunk. He knew that, but he chose to leave me alone at the casino so he could go to a club. When I remember that, I feel a deep sense of sorrow. I think about my parents, and I think about my past. I think about the times I've been sexually harassed, groped by strangers in crowded bars, and even drugged. I think about my parents doing everything they could to protect me and hoping the person I chose to be with would want to protect me too. It must be painful to watch your child grow up while wondering if your best was good enough, praying that nothing bad ever happens to them and leaving your child in the hands of their partner. Surely you loved them fiercely enough to show how to choose a good partner, one who loves them and will protect your child and their heart the way you do. But instead, their partner abandons them, leaving them unsafe and incoherent, dressed in a revealing costume, vulnerable enough that if something bad happened, they'd be defenseless. 
A few months later, I was living alone in Seattle, crying to my mom on the phone that I thought we were going to break up. She brought up the night he left me in the casino. She started crying and said, when you're a parent, you want your child to be with someone who loves them as much as you do. I could have my heart break a million times, but nothing will ever compare to the gut-wrenching heartache of hearing the hurt in my own mother's voice as she tearfully pleaded with me to leave someone who wouldn't do the simplest thing to love and protect me. I don't need to explain what happened behind the closed doors of my relationship. All I can say is it has been incredibly difficult to overcome the mental anguish of leaving a relationship where your partner actively objectifies you, manipulates you using shame and threats, and tells you, to use his own words, that you are just a fleshlight who talks to me. This is only a small-scale example of what women endure every day. Men like this don't show who they are underneath a perfectly curated mask of a successful, smart, creative, funny, white male to everyone. It's in intimate relationships with romantic partners. Believe women. Don't stand idly by when your friends treat women in ways that demean them by disguising their behavior as just a couple bickering. Look at the signs in front of you. Hear the true message behind the words being said. Speak out instead of silently agreeing with your wife or girlfriend or mother. Women can no longer carry the weight of being the only ones, to prote only ones protecting each other. We need the brothers, fathers, and friends of women to speak up even when it's hard, even when you don't want to believe a man that you know could ever do something like that. I can't tell you how much I would have appreciated the times a man groped me if another man told him he couldn't touch me like that, or if my ex-boyfriend's friends had asked me if I was okay or needed help getting home instead of their relationship is getting rocky, or when I was drugged if a man had told my aggressor plainly to fuck off instead of saying, it's okay because you weren't raped. Behind the events of being drugged, groped, or abandoned are all the same message. Women are objects in the eyes of men you know. This message is ingrained and emphasized through each experience like this that we endure. The pain grows with each new experience, and it never really goes away. It's woven into what has shaped me alongside the fibers of resilience and determination. I'll end by saying thank you to the amazing men in my life who do advocate for women and have challenged themselves to recognize inequality and equity in not only gender but race and sexual and gender identities and have the awareness to speak out. I know it can be hard, but it's easier when we have men like you by our side. So that's what I wrote a year ago. <laughs> and I remember after I shared it, some random person on Twitter DM'd me. I sent you this. DM'd me a mansplanation. A man DM'd you a mansplanation. <laughs> of what objectification is. And... He was like, I don't think it's a problem with objectification. I think that um, people just like remove other people's humanity and only think about themselves. And I'm like, yeah, that's the definition that's of literally fucking objectification. objectification, my guy. Moron. <laughs> He's like, I'm 20. I'm a 22 year old man and I don't feel objectified by other men. I'm like, you don't say. <laughs> But God, um, if somebody said that to me in person, I would deck them in the face. It's I'm just like, like the yeah, the. I know you're trying to relate to me right it's now, just but it's so tone not deaf. Working. It's just so tone deaf. This is so. You sent this to me before you and I. This was like at the beginning of like us getting closer, and I was like, I had no idea that you had been through any of this because I was hearing about your relationship kind of on the fringes, and I knew that you guys had broken up, but I didn't really know any details, and how you wrote this piece is in a way of like you, you did such a good job with showing like because you and I have talked about this a lot like 
it's sure like these things are on a spectrum and like some things are more painful than others like in the broad scheme but it makes women feel like even if they're like they just get their like ass grabbed in a bar like well at least you were raped or at least you weren't drugged and it's like no like that doesn't this is rape culture yep yeah this is the culture surrounding enabling that behavior and nobody and and the you said in here too the people that you go out with to bars and clubs or whatever you should know that they have your back if anything happens especially your partner mm -hmm. this is someone that you love and is supposed to love you and nothing he did could ever like make up for that yeah I was incredibly lucky that like I was able to get home I like the parts I do remember I could not figure out how to get home I lost like a couple credit cards and my ID too (laughs) and I'm like how did I even make it home with my fucking phone yeah and then I don't know. It was just a disaster of a night and uh, like for a lot of reasons. And I remember like commenting in, they had a group chat, like him and all of his friends and I was in it and I asked where he was and no one responded. And then he was just like embarrassed. And I was like, you left me. You left me alone when you knew I was not okay. I like, you had recently posted, you can cut this out if you don't feel comfortable with this, but you recently posted conversations that you found with him and how he would talk to you when you guys were broken up with the manipulation. Like there was like venom dripping in his words, like in a way that he knew that he could, he knew, or at least he thought because of history that he could talk his way out of anything Mm -hmm. and it wasn't even in a suave way like it was really bad like uh no respect to give you guys some context um this was after we broke up and he told me um not to wear a skirt if we ever met up at a bar (laughs) that seriously it's reading that made my blood boil um i will say also though uh he like said something about like, oh, and don't wear any sexy underwear or something. And I was like, if we aren't having sex, then it doesn't matter what I'm wearing underneath. And then I like changed his words and I was like, um, she was asking for it because she was wearing underwear. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, oh, fuck. I'm like, do not fuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> I, you no longer have the excuse of being my boyfriend I to just... talk to me like that. I don't know. And um, I feel really ashamed having put up with that a lot. And I also, like, I do wonder what his friends think. I wonder if they actually, like, believe anything that I had written. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. But you know that he is in their ear one way or another. But -hmm. you shouldn't feel ashamed of putting up with it. Because people that, I think a lot of people that are listening can relate to the fact that like when you love somebody and you want to make something work, you're willing to look past a whole bunch of shit Yep. because you're worried about losing them. And like, there's an actual chemical reaction going on where you don't want to lose them. And that's like blinded by love. is like such a thing. That's like a saying for a reason. So I don't think that you should be ashamed. I think you were a victim of something. And, and the way he is to his friends is, Definitely not how he treated me. Like, 
um, he would never treat his friends the way he treated me. And uh, I think that's also why it would... It, it can be hard for women to come forward or to be believed mm-hmm. because of course he's not going to treat his friends the way he's treating you. Yeah. There is a different level of trust uh-huh. in a romantic relationship. You are trusting each other with a lot of stuff. And, and people that are doing something shady in the most like, you know, that's like a very vanilla way to say it, but really anything shady and they're being calculated about it, they're already laying groundwork in the background to make it so that they have their ass covered if any of it comes out. Mm -hmm. So like he does something bad. He's like, Oh God, Liz was being so crazy last night. Like Mm -hmm. it's even if you weren't it, then he's told the story. And then if he gets called out on something, it's like, Oh yeah, that was the night she was being crazy. I told you about it. It makes me lay the groundwork. It truly makes me wonder about his past relationships I'm like were they actually crazy or were you really shitty because you're pretty shitty to me yeah and I have done the least like aggressive things if if a guy if every single one of a guy's exes is crazy it's him I don't know every single one (laughs) I the common denominator there especially when there's actual problematic behavior going on maybe some guys just date all crazy women but it like for stuff like I'm putting crazy and I'm not actually I'm putting crazy in air quotes if a man calls all of his ex-girlfriends crazy, there's a good chance that he made them that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially when you have a personality like that. And like reading those texts, now he was talking to you and you guys weren't even together. Like that's. I, 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 I didn't even post like some of the worst ones because I, I don't know. It does make me like. I, I'm at a point now where I'm so far from the point of impact that like it doesn't upset me the way it has in the past and I wasn't even intentionally looking for those screenshots I was like looking for something else and then um I came across like a stream of text that I had screenshot and I was just like shocked I was like because because part of you is always like well maybe I was being a little dramatic because I was so hurt to like lose this relationship and then uh, all of the realizations after it of, like, how fucked up our relationship was. Mm-hmm. And then being like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was that dumb. I thought I knew better. I'm ferocious. Yeah, but, like, those are, like, that's what rose-colored glasses is. Mm-hmm. And then rereading those texts, I was just like, nope, I was not being dramatic at all. No. He fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah. And that, that causes damage. Like, mm-hmm. that that is, like, long-lasting damage. I don't know. Being treated like shit in any capacity changes you. And when it's oh, something... that's why I'm avoidant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably. I mean, like, our, our relationships shape us. Mm-hmm. Friendships, romantic relationships, familial relationships, everything shapes us. And so, like, of course, you would be scared to get close to somebody and get hurt by them because you had these examples of it happening. Yeah. I don't know, dude. Anyway, thank you for reading that. Thank you for letting me. Yeah, of course. I think, yeah, the next thing that I have in this bullet point, I think um, why it's hard for women to talk about their experiences ties into your situation with someone who is not necessarily... Saying he's in the public eye is a stretch. He's an internet 
he's an influencer. I can't yeah. guess. The smallest scale influencer. He has a, a large fan base. And hearing you talk about, too, being afraid of what his friends would think because you didn't know what, what your ex was saying to them and how these people will lay groundwork is exactly what this guy was doing because... I mean, I could talk about this for three episodes. This whole thing was such a fucking web. But um, I was, I mentioned this on a past episode, actually, that we were going to talk about this more in depth, and here we are doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked about a guy on this show. I'm not going to say his name again, (laughs) but you might be able to piece it together. So after we talked about him on... The episode, I reached out to him and asked if it was okay for us to say his name. And he said yes, and then he wanted to hear it after we talked about him. So after that, he, I guess, started listening to the podcast. I don't know if that's the truth or not. Whatever. I can definitely see him telling you that. And not actually. Yeah. Just to, like, make him seem, like, super dedicated. And, like, wiggle his way in. He, yeah, he messaged me on... Instagram and said, Amelia, may I take you on a date sometime? He doesn't live in Washington, but I was fucking hyped because this man was, and I said this when we talked, oh, this is going to be too, this is going to give it away if I say that. No, this man's just not my type. Like physically, not normally what I go for, but there's something about him that is very attractive and it's how he carries himself, how he talks to people, makes them feel special. And when you're talking to him, you feel like you are the, even if it's just in a small exchange, he makes you feel like you're the only person he's talking to that in that moment. And I got pretty into him, but not in a way that was attached, luckily. Um, Now I know that that was luckily, but I had fun talking to him. We ended up having like a couple of FaceTime dates. Um, He was saying stuff. He called me one day and was like, I want to fly you out to see me. Just let me know the dates. I'm so excited. This is what we're going to do. We're going to build a fort. Here's all the movies we're going to watch. He was like so sweet about it. He, I don't know, he just like really pulled out all the stops and I felt pretty special. I was like, why me? And I asked him because part of me was like, what, what is up with this? Why me? You know, yeah. I and think at I'm first great, I was like, like, at first I was like stoked for you. Cause I was like, Oh, this is like kind of cool because, um, like thinking about how many girls like would totally wish that that was them. He had hundreds of thousands is, of followers and it's like, you can't help but be a little excited because yeah. you're like, oh, wow, like, I think I'm great. And it's really cool that, like, someone who has is getting so, like, bombarded by attention it is able to notice me. Yes, exactly. Um, is taking the time to notice me and make me feel special. Yeah. Um, and, like, I mean, obviously, you can think that in any context, like, right. oh, wow, this guy is great. Like, I feel really special. Yeah. Um, but when you know how busy someone is and how much they're constantly being, like, sought after, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, God, I didn't even have to, like, chase after you. Like, yes. you came to me. Exactly. And it feels really nice. You're like, wow. Yeah. Um, so I think that's also why it felt special. Totally. But <laughs> I remember, like, <laughs> you... S- uh, seeing something that he like tweeted or, um, I don't know, maybe you sent me a screenshot of like your conversations and I was reading it and I was with my boyfriend and I was like, this guy gives me like weird energy. And then he's like, why? And I like read it to him and he's like, that seems pretty like 
harmless to me. And I was like, maybe I'm being dramatic. You gotta trust your gut. My gut was right. Uh-huh. I was like, there's something off. Whenever you feel anything off about any guy, I need you to. Because now I'm like, well, shit. Because I, I, I knew it would run its course. I had no... I mean, part of me was unsure about it just because of I'm damaged. <laughs> but like, I didn't have any bad gut feelings about it. Because he was so good at being like... I'm giving you my number. I don't give anybody my number. Like he was doing a lot of that. He was like, I don't know. I just feel like I've known you my whole life. He was saying stuff that I was feeling that I hadn't said to him, you know, like it it just feels so familiar with you. He was like, I wonder how much mirroring he does. Probably a ton. And, and I think that he was doing some research on like my tweets and shit to connect with me on stuff. Cause he was talking about movies that I had tweeted about like way back when that I was like, he wouldn't have dug, but I think he did because this guy was calculated AF. So anyway, so he on the Thursday before Valentine's Day calls me on his way back from work and he's like, I want to buy you a ticket to see me. And I was like, oh my God. Like, shit, it's real. Yeah, I was like, okay, okay. And I played it off cool. I was like, absolutely. In my head, I was like, fuck this, I'm going to get murdered. And we've said this in the past and I'll reiterate it. Um, if Amelia ever goes to see <laughs> any man, I will be there. <laughs> if you are a man listening, trying to see Amelia, I will be there. <laughs> She's I'm like going to be, yeah. It's like, that's, I'll be watching. You. <laughs> anyway, Liz will kick your ass. Yeah. So I was like, let's connect on Monday about it because I need to figure out some logistics stuff. He was like, absolutely. And then he just started listing all this shit we were going to do together. Saturday, he and sent he, me. He ghosted you, right? Well, yeah. So Saturday, he sent me something. I don't remember what it was. And then Valentine's Day was Sunday. And he called me and no it was monday whatever day valentine's day he called me and wished me a happy valentine's day mm-hmm. i was like i hope you're having an amazing weekend and then the following monday i sent him a song that i thought he would like didn't hear from him and then i sent him another text two days later being like hey i know we've both been so busy like hope you're having a good week so far nothing and then left him a voice note nothing And then I started realizing that he was like publicly engaging with this girl, like very, very publicly on Twitter. And he never likes anyone's tweets unless they mention him. And this girl's, it was showing up on my newsfeed. I wasn't digging for it. Again, I wasn't emotionally invested in this guy. So I wasn't doing any sort of like my typical FBI work when I'm, (laughs) when I'm into someone, but it was showing up on my newsfeed. Twitter was like, girl, (laughs) you need to be paying attention to this. And I was seeing, he was liking all of her selfies. She was posting. She was saying stuff like, I love being in love, like all of this stuff. And I was like, I bet you anything he flew this girl out for Valentine's Day. So that's when my investigative work started. Anyway, long story short, that was the case. She ended up moving across the country to live with him after they met once. And I talked about her on a past episode. She seemed like a really, really nice girl. I was really concerned for her. And she ended up moving there. Um, And... He is totally publicly love bombing her, um, has completely ghosted his whole fan base. These these people were like l- genuinely loved him, this like character that he had, yeah. and he completely abandoned all of them. And they're obviously upset about that. Like that's not that's not these people gave you a career and he's just kind of like, fuck you. He made a playlist that's titled since you guys are stalking my Spotify, here's a playlist for you. And it was just the song. Fuck you by two feet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like he's, he's not a good dude. 
very dramatic since rude well and then he's also lashing out like this because people were calling him out on his problematic behavior well he was talking to 11 girls 11 i was one of 11 how much time and that's just the ones that have come forward does he have there is a person from his hometown who started airing out all of his shit on twitter and they were saying stuff very publicly and calling him out by name and his fan base kind of went for this person because we had no i mean I, i didn't come for them but like we all had no reason to believe that he was a bad person. Anyway, that person is now like leading this crusade and 11 people came forward to them about being involved with this guy. And he was so... Do you think there's any who were on Twitter? There has Probably. to be. There has to be. There has to be. So and there's a minimum of 11 women mm-hmm. that he was like entertaining. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. He said, like, a lot of the same shit to all of you guys. It was like he was using, like, a bot to talk to all of us. <laughs> it was, like, word-for-word word stuff that he was uh-huh. saying. And there was one girl that he was really heavily involved with who is one of the sweetest people I've ever talked to. All of us talk now. <laughs> so we have, like, a sisterhood. And <laughs> That's kind of like how you are with the girls from uh, Bachelor Live on stage. <laughs> yeah. 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 We all bond over a man's shittiness. Um but she was publicly love, love bombed by him and he found a way to villainize her for his fuckery and she had receipts and so she posted all of them and he disappeared. He deleted his Twitter. He doesn't have a Twitter anymore. <laughs> he, oh, he accidentally liked one of my reels on Instagram last week and then immediately blocked me because he knew that I would see it. I did. I'm always on my phone, bitch. I saw it. <laughs> he is obviously always on his phone too. Yeah. So it's just like, anyway, all this to say, like, he was using this power dynamic to make people think that he was a good person. He had this love bombing behavior that, and I don't say this lightly, like actual cult leaders use mm-hmm. of the psychological manipulation. I said that. You did when we were talking about it. And you know what? It. He's short like Charles Manson. <laughs> he is. He's fucking short. Also, five foot six. this is a shout out to um, my best friend, Anna, because she was like, she saw she's like um so i saw amelia like posting about this and she's like i did some digging and she sent me screenshots of his like old 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 pictures and she was like why would we ever trust a man who looks like this yeah i know (laughs) all of his old band photos yeah i know dude um but this brings me to something called darvo my parents friends in Florida. One of them is a professor of women's studies. And she told me about DARVO, which is an acronym for deny, attack, and reverse victim and offender, which is a manipulation strategy that psychological abusers use where the abuser denies the abuse ever took place, attacks the victim for attempting to hold the accuser accountable, and claims that they, the abuser, are actually the victim in the situation, thus reversing the reality of the victim and the offender. This usually involves not just playing the victim, but also victim blaming. And I read this, and I was like, fucking hell, that's exactly what he's doing. He he talked to the person that runs his fan page and was like talking shit about this girl that put him on blast that he had the relationship with, and then told the, the person that led the fan page to post screenshots of their conversation so that everybody would see what he was saying about this girl so that he could look like the victim. And he completely reversed the story and he knew that he could because he knew that he had all of these people backing him. 
And that went to shit because like we have receipts. Everybody's seeing what you're doing, but there are still a lot of people that are supporting him. Mm -hmm. He still has an entire fan base. And it's just been scary seeing the power dynamic that he has and knowing that he is knowing exactly what he's doing and how to use it. And he's gotten this girl to move across the country for him. And, and he's fine and he's happy with his life and he feels nothing. And he's hurt a lot of people in the process. One of the girls that I was talking to was so hurt by it. Like she was having such a hard time getting over it because she got emotionally invested. She was like about to go out to see him and he disappeared. And the, like, I don't know if you like someone, if you end up liking one of the girls that you're talking to, that is fine. fine. That's totally fine. But the problem that happened is like he, he lied pretty like egregiously. Like Mm -hmm. he told every single one of these girls, they were the only one that did not have to be. No, like he could have just been honest and I'm sure it would have been fine. He was like, I mean, to be honest, like, I am talking to a lot of girls, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's what happens when you're dating in your 20s. Like, yeah. sometimes you end up talking He's to a lot of people. allowed to do that, and that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, you're, you're allowed to date multiple people until you, like, figure out what you like and what you want, mm-hmm. and maybe you're not expecting something to develop with someone, and then it does. Yeah. That is fine. And then um, for him to lie about it and be like, you're the only person I'm talking to, no, no reason. And it's because... He probably didn't want them talking to anybody else. Yeah. He wanted to be the only one. Yep. And then um, after that, for them to come forward and be like, this fucking hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. And then for him to be like, well, fuck you. You took it the wrong way. Yeah. That's just flirting. It was just friendly banter is what he said. It was just friendly banter. It's like. All you have to say is like, I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. Like. Yep. You can be ashamed of hurting someone's feelings, Mm -hmm. but own up to it. Yep. Just be like, I, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings and I'm sorry that I did. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all that he has to do. That's literally That's it. all anybody ever wanted but him to do But when you're a sociopath, uh, you, you don't believe anyone else no. could, like, you're, you could ever be wrong. It's everyone he, else's fault. He lacks all of his empathy. Like, he has no empathy. And it's, it's honestly, it's pretty scary to watch because he turned it off so quickly. Mm-hmm. And really, like you're saying, all he had to do was be like, I was talking to a lot of people and like, I didn't think I would get feelings for someone and I did. Easy peasy. That would mm-hmm. suck for a lot of the girls, but they wouldn't be like, what the fuck? Because it was whiplash for a lot of these girls. And he was saying stuff to ev- all of us that was like, you don't understand. I don't text anybody back. Like, I just always want to be talking and to you. And you're like, you're on your toes, Amelia. Yeah. You're like, okay, well, I'm talking to several men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do to be the one who yep. stands out? Keep my attention, bitch. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the whole thing was fucked up and I feel really bad for all of the people that he actually hurt. Again, like I said, luckily I wasn't somebody that got invested and I was still like really floored by this whole thing. I think the part that is the scariest to me is that he tried to lean on this fan base to discredit these women. Mm-hmm. That's really scary. Mm-hmm. He could have gotten away with a lot worse if like, I mean, the types of women he was trying to appeal to are... A very smart and powerful kind of woman. So they uh, realized who he was pretty quickly. Yeah. So. Yes. That's <laughs> they, so true. They started their own little group of mm-hmm. women supporting women. And they don't need this man to be the thing that brings them together anymore. Um, which is pretty fucking dope. Yeah. 
Uh, if any of you are listening, shout out to you guys. But um, yeah, I do think it is like that. This is just a small scale example of like why it is so hard for women in Hollywood to come forward, let alone just an everyday woman. Yeah. Like because these men who are in a position of power are able to manipulate their followers and fans into like victim blaming and um, trying to discredit these women saying they want they're just saying this stuff for attention mm-hmm. like oh now you're saying it like you yeah why didn't you come forward like sooner it's <laughs> like oh this guy isn't even famous no and that's the thing is like and this is the backlash just like a few women started to get until multiple came forward yeah Yes. And, and we don't probably don't even know all of them. And that's a lot of people are like, oh, I don't understand how anyone could like get, get into a cult. Like, but then you, something like this happens where somebody is so capable of making you feel so special that you're willing to believe anything that they say. And this was also like the well, same because that's it. That's part of being a human is we all want to feel special. Mm-hmm. We all want to feel like we're unique individuals and we're special. And you are. And like you can like the same things yeah. and still be special. Yes. But this was the same kind of thing that happened with. I mean, I, there's so many fucking layers to this. I don't even want to start getting into it. But the Harvey Weinstein thing mm-hmm. like Harvey Weinstein was thanked as much at the Oscars as God like actually his name was mentioned almost as much as God's name oh was mentioned God. for a certain amount of years. And people are like, well, why didn't you ever come forward about Harvey? Like, why is it just coming out now? It's because this man held the power that God does in their career that why would anybody believe this kind of like, you know, a PA on set mm-hmm. over Harvey Weinstein. And obviously this is not to that scale, but on a smaller scale, that's what happened with this guy. It's like he ha- he has a lot of power. Everybody looks up to him. And then there's these people that like maybe want to look special that like he picked them because they like have nothing else going for them. And it's like, no, because these people will seek out people. And obviously this guy didn't do a very good job because everybody that he was involved with was did not think twice to call him on his shit. But they're really good at scoping out the vulnerable people that they know is safe to attack because they won't come out or they won't talk to one another or they're low down enough on the totem pole that nobody would believe them. And that's why it's so important to, and it's so hard. It's so fucking hard to speak up. But when we're finally able to, and we feel empowered to, that's when these men stop feeling like they can do this. Because mm-hmm. even if they're coming for the people that are quote unquote at like the bottom of the totem pole, they still should be afraid that that person's going to come forward. And that's what was so fucking dope about the Me Too movement was like people had like a path to be like, yep, yeah, Me Too. Me too. Yeah. Like, and there really wasn't that before. Like, to be able to see that people have experienced this for years and years and years and haven't felt empowered to say anything about it. And it made I was talking to I was talking to a music man about this last night, actually. And he was saying, like, it made him look back and he's very he's never made me feel uncomfortable. I obviously can't speak for other people, but like he's always been very careful. And he said to me, he's like the whole Me Too movement made me look back on my whole history and be like, was there any moment that maybe I made somebody feel uncomfortable? And that's the level of attention that people need to pay. Yeah. Like to, because it's easy to be ashamed to want to think about, or to like think about that, to be faced with that. Like, and you like, I do this a lot too, where I think back to my past and 
of course I am ashamed of a lot of things that I've said and done. And (laughs) so is grandpa. Of course, it's hard to admit to yourself the things that you've done that have hurt other people. Um, But like you need to allow yourself to change and grow and challenge those things that are hard to think about. And I think a lot of the times this is this kind of conversation is interpreted as like men versus women. And that's not it at all. Like we know plenty of men who are amazing people and would be the first people to back us up and stand up for what's right. And all we're saying is we want more of that Yes, because there is power in numbers. And unfortunately, like that's how it has to be Mm -hmm. is like, this is what you can use your privilege for as a man is to be like to back up women and believe women. That's a huge thing. And like, yeah, if one of your friends or some guy at a bar is being shitty to like at least be there. Yeah. (laughs) To be there as someone who like can help us defend ourselves. Uh Maybe not even physically, but just to have one other person be like, hey, fuck off. Yeah. Um, A small scale example of this is um, uh, one time I was at a bar in my college town with my brother. So I had graduated and I was back in town for one of my friend's graduations because he's a a few years younger than me. And I was like at my I just started making real money, like adult money, which wasn't that much, but it's way more than I ever had in college. So I was like, I'll buy everyone's dollar drinks. (laughs) Um, but I went to a bar with him and like, it was packed and, uh, which is a crazy statement to say right now. (laughs) I haven't been in a crowded bar in over a year. Um, so I, I was, we were just in this packed bar and we're waiting in line for the bar and like, someone kept grabbing my ass and I thought it was one of my friends I was with. So I turned to her and I was like, are you grabbing my butt? And she's like, what? No. And then I like was looking around and my brother's like, what are you looking for? And I was like, someone is grabbing my butt. And then he finally saw who was doing it. And it was like some random guy that I didn't know. And then my brother was like, Hey, don't touch her. And then the guy was like, um, he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Is that your girl? And then, um, I think my brother, he was like, no, that's my sister, but the guy didn't hear him. And he's like, I'm sorry. And then it, it's not that I'm, I'm like someone's girl. I was just about to say that. I am someone's sister. Yeah. And just someone. I'm someone's daughter. You're yeah. Someone. I'm just someone. Don't fucking touch me like that unless I agree to let you touch me like right, that. Right. Just because you're like maybe someone's property. Like that doesn't mean that you are more or less like worthy of being treated like that. Yeah. It's so up. And that's an argument I see a lot. That's someone's sister. That's someone's mom. I said this on last episode. It's like, no, no. <laughs> that's just like, she's just a person just trying to exist. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to be groped trying to like get a drink at a bar. That's not too much to fucking ask. And that's... This the guy like fucked off immediately. And good. my brother was like... And then the, he apologized to me too. And then my brother was like, that went a lot better than I thought it was going to. I thought I was going to have to fight him. <laughs> I love that your brother did that. I just, I don't think he's ever gotten into a fight either. <laughs> he was fucking ready to go. Yeah. Don't fuck with my yeah. sister. 
but like that's we come through when we need to that is a perfect example of the the difference it makes when a man steps in exactly and and a lot of men that i've been having these conversations with on tiktok too have been like well what do we don't want to we don't want to get you know we don't want to get involved and it's like like, well i don't want to be grabbed yeah and also men are more likely to fuck off if they're approached by another man than if they're approached by a woman or her her friends or just the woman tells them to stop that's Mm -hmm. not even a blanket statement that's factual because maybe she belongs to somebody else which is the fucking stupidest thing but even then like i love when my guy friends pretend to be my boyfriend in a bar like that makes me feel safe and that's fucked up that we have to resort to that but when they step in like that and they're just like hey babe and the guy fucks off i feel safer knowing that they're there i don't like the message of that like they should leave me alone anyway even if i don't have a boyfriend there but knowing that my guy friends are around to help me feel safe makes a huge difference and always does the trick and this isn't a lot to ask it's just not a lot to ask no it's so like hey don't grab her ass do you know her that's it that's all that needs to happen even if you do know her is she okay with that like (laughs) yeah men getting shame from other men goes a long way but this is also men shame your friends shame your friends and then stop being friends with them yeah. Well, okay. So this actually just leads in exactly to what I was just about to say. Um, if you if you haven't seen Promising Young Woman, maybe skip the next five minutes because this is the end of the movie. I'm going to give you a sec. Okay, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> but the end of Promising Young Woman, if you've seen it, you know that she ends up getting killed by the guy who raped her friend in college, and he is chained to the bed in this scene, and his the best man comes up and she's dead on the bed and he's like, I killed her. And his friend was like, it's okay, man. You didn't mean to do it. Like, just, like it's not your fault. It's not your, it's fault. Not your fault. It's okay. Everything's fine. And the, and the guy's and this like, this is okay. Schmidt. It's Schmidt. That's so it. yeah. like low key. It's a little funny, but also like infuriating and, and such a perfect example of, yeah. Like, of just be, Oh, it's not your fault. You didn't mean to. Mm-hmm. And like, like, um, he absolutely did. He smothered her and she struggled for about five minutes. That scene was so painful to watch. I was so mad. Uh-huh. I was like, no, she's the main character. She can't die. Uh-huh. And it's so great. Honestly, when I saw that, I was like, really? That's how they ended it? But I was thinking about it and it's like, no, that's good. Like, that that's a reality that we have to think about. Even if a lot of us don't get killed for confronting a man, that's always a thought that we have. And to know, at least me. And she planned ahead that she might die. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a perfect example of like men kind of enabling their friends without, I mean, this was a very extreme example, but a lot of the guys that I know that I don't think would ever enable their friends might just because it's like a bros before hoes thing that we hear all the time, (laughs) you know, like they'll always have their boys backs. And in a lot of instances, that's not doing your friend any favors by having their backs they shouldn't be acting like that at all Mm -hmm. so that is a really great point too it's like his friend being like i forgot about that scene it's like it's not your fault when it is 100 percent his fault he literally smothered her with a pillow like Uh, so yeah it's just i think i mean i could go on about this for another like three hours but i think my bottom line is just hold your friends accountable believe women when they tell you that something happened listen to women's experiences and don't think that we're attacking you by saying that we want you to support us. We know that every single woman I can confidently say has known a man or two that they can trust. Mm -hmm. They're not saying that it's your fault that they feel unsafe, but it 
should be your responsibility, just like it's our responsibility to keep ourselves safe. Yeah, it's everyone's responsibility to look out for each other. Yep. This isn't like, this is uh, not, I, I don't want to say like it's a gender specific issue, but women are assaulted way more. But yeah. <laughs> in general, it is like a perfect example of how male privilege can go a long way for good. Yeah. Um, but I do also want to tell the story of when I was drugged because I know I've mentioned it on a few occasions and I think it's important to talk about because there are also a few other things I wanted to mention about these stories as well. So, um, I was drugged in college and I, uh, was at a bar, um, like one of the bars I had gone to every other fucking Thursday and, um, there was a guy I had seen, like, I don't know, sometimes he would come to, like, the um, sports bar that I was a cocktail waitress at, and um, I, like, thought he was a little weird. Like, he was cute, but something about him, like, made me uncomfortable. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I just, like, didn't ever, I don't know, I just do my job and <laughs> mind my yeah. own business. And then um, I ran into him at one of the bars, and then I was, like, uh, I was just like, oh, hey, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, oh, I recently like won a lot of money gambling. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And he was like, can I buy you a drink? And drinks were a dollar. <laughs> so I was like, sure, you can buy my dollar drink. And I was like, you okay. You, and then um, he ordered it for me. And I don't remember him. Like, he handed it to me. So I didn't like watch him. I was just like, yeah. I'll have my vodka cranberry. And um, when I remember consciously thinking halfway through this drink that I was like, I have no idea what the fuck this guy is saying to me right now. That was what my inner monologue was saying. And then um, I, my friend reminded me like the next day after that drink, I ordered another drink and I could not sign my own name. Fuck. And I made them sign for me. It was, like, a, a couple of girls who were, like, younger than me in my sorority, and they were, like, okay. <laughs> they signed it for me. And then um, I went up to a guy who I didn't know super well. I think, like, he was friends with my friends. Like, he was older than me. I had seen him around a little bit, like, and uh, I think he was just, like, trying to have a conversation with me. And then I told him... I don't remember this. He told me this like a few days later. I, I guess I had went up to him and I was like, um, please don't leave me alone with this guy, hmm. which was the guy who was buying my drinks. And so he stayed, he like stayed around and stayed with me the rest of the night. And that the guy who bought my drinks was threatening him. And he was like, get the fuck away from her. And then I was like, what else happened? And he was like, he was really grabby with you and like yanking you around and like grabbing your thighs. I don't remember any of this. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. And how many drinks had you had at that point? Um, four. That's, that's my, so and my tolerance scary. in college was obscene. I mean, even when my tolerance was low, I wouldn't black out on f- no, four drinks, especially not even drinks. now. I would not drink blackout on yeah, four drinks. Right. And, um, I like, I think he went to the bathroom and I got away. I don't know. I made it home and, um, 
one of my friends like stayed with me in the bathroom the whole night while I was just like throwing up and I felt sick for like three days. Yeah. Um, I don't know what drug he used, but um, I do know another one of my friends had told me a story of when she was drugged. She was like a whole bunch of us were drugged like and she was like, I only had one drink and I like could not I couldn't even get myself home. And um, they went to like a hospital the next day and uh, they were like, you were most likely drugged. And she was like, okay, test us for the top five. And someone had slipped them Ambien. What the so fuck? So Ambien is like, a lot of these things are over the counter, like drugs that make you drowsy that they can just put in your drink. Ambien and alcohol can kill you. You can't, you're not supposed to drink on Ambien. Oh, that's so fucked. Um, so yeah, I was drugged by someone I knew. And that happens pretty often. Mm-hmm. And um, afterwards, I remember. Oh yes, please. <laughs> Amelia's pouring me a little bit more wine. I just need to drink for this conversation. Yeah. Um, I remember afterwards, uh, this girl who was friends with him was like questioning my credibility because I was like, I told her roommate I don't like this girl, but I was like. I, just because I don't like her doesn't mean I think she deserves to be assaulted and raped. So I told her roommate who I was friends with, like, just so you know, that guy like drugged me and like, here's what happened. And she, I was like, just tell her to be careful or you not hang out with him. Her. Yeah. And then, um, she like was like, well, it wasn't that bad cause she wasn't raped. And I was like, um, that does not change his intention. No, because he was trying to. He was being grabbed yes. with you and trying to get that guy away from you. In public. And this is why, sorry, I don't want to interject. No, this is why do. in um, Promising Young Woman, Alison Brie's character was so important because there, mm-hmm. you would hope that other women would, women would believe you. Until it happens to them, they don't believe you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fucked so up. It's so fucked up. Um, so and I had posted something about my experience on Facebook and I was like this happened to me and it was someone that I knew like that I like he was an acquaintance and I still see him when I'm out so like if this happened to me it can happen to anybody mm-hmm. and um someone else shared a story with me that uh he was with one of his friends just like a friend who was a girl and uh someone drugged him as well to get him to like not be able to defend her or take care of her what the fuck yes so that's a common thing is like an aggressor will drug like if you're with like your guy friend or something they'll drug your male friend as well that's so fucked up Mm -hmm. and he's like we're okay but like that doesn't change the fact that it happened that it happened right Right. And I had, so a few years later, um, I went to a bar with one of my friends and, uh, or we went to a club and we were meeting up with a couple of other girlfriends from our college. And um, we were put at like a table, it's called a promoter table. So a promoter will gather a group of people. It's usually like a group of men and then like hot girls. Mm. And then the men buy the bottles for the table. And um, none of them know each other. But, like, we didn't know we were getting hustled over to, like, a promoter table. Because usually they'll have, like, groups of girls in, like, rooms. Mm. And it's just, like, random girls. And they give them drinks for free. (laughs) Spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
So I was like, oh, we're probably like going to like a girls promoter table. But no, it was like this group of guys. And um, my I only had like one or two drinks and my friend only had one drink because she was I think she was going to drive home and she could not walk. And so I like uh, she like started to like hobble off to the bathroom like, could not stand and was, like, grabbing onto, like, um, one of those security, like, pole things. And I was, like, what is she doing? Uh, And I, like, went after her because she's, like, don't tell her I'm going to the bathroom. I want her to still have a good night. She told that to one of the guys at the table. And I was, like, "Um, it's not a good night if you're not here. (laughs) I, like, went after her and I was, like, are you okay? And then I was, like, I think you were drugged. And she was, like, what? And I was, like, how many drinks did you have? And she's like, one. And I was like, yeah, girl, you've been drugged. So um, I took her to the bathroom. And everyone in the Vegas bars, uh, this was at Marquee Nightclub. And everyone there was so fucking rude to us. Like, the, I mean, the poor bathroom attendants. They, like, knew she was, like, puking. But they didn't know she was drugged. And um, they were like, we're really sorry, but you like have to get out of the bathroom. And I was like, that's fine. I'm trying to get her home, but she can't stop vomiting. And she was like falling asleep. I don't know. So, um, like the bouncers were rude as hell. They thought I was just like with my drunk friend and I'm like, no, she was definitely drugged. And then they were like, "Mm," they didn't believe us. And, um, they just, they, I, one guy was like, do you need help? And I was like, yes, can you help me carry her? Like, (laughs) and one of my friends, this is so funny, her uh, now husband, he was an EMT and he was stationed there. And she was like, why didn't you do anything? He's like, I didn't know that they were there. And then he's like, what could I have done? And she's like, you could have helped them like walk down the stairs. Oh my God. (laughs) He's like, I would have if I known. (laughs) (laughs) She's so funny. And I don't know. So eventually we were able to get her home, but I had to call her boyfriend at the time too and be like, so she was drugged. She's home safe. And I told her sister, it was, it was a mess. Um, She got home safe, but I also wouldn't have known what to look for if it hadn't happened to me. Yeah. Um, Right. But I mean, it's it can happen so quickly. You, it's odorless. It's colorless. It happens. You, it doesn't taste like anything. Doesn't yes. taste like anything, especially when it's masked by like alcohol and like cranberry juice. You're not gonna taste that. And shit. when there's a lot of hustle and bustle in a club too, it's so easy. There's this somebody mm-hmm. on TikTok that um, was showing how easy it is to slip drugs into people's that. drinks. Yeah. And it was it was a woman showing it, and I really wanna I wanna post the video if I find it on her Instagram. But she would just like really swiftly just like reach over the drink and it would drop in and like. These people are really, really good at it. They're really practiced. And bars and clubs need to be more attuned to this happening because it's so common. And there was some of the bars in Vegas put like MDMA in drinks. I was just about to say that there was a bar that's in Seattle that just shut down because the, they found out that the bartenders were drugging girls. The bartenders, the people that you should, the only people really in the bar you should be trusting with your drinks besides your what friends. What bar was this? Foundation Nightclub. They found woman drug assaulted in Seattle's Foundation Nightclub. Ecstasy, cocaine, and GHB, known as the date rape drug, were all being sold 
at Foundation Nightclub, and, and the bartenders were slipping it into their drinks. They also seized two guns, $60,000 in cash, and more than 3,000 combined pills of MDMA, ecstasy, molly, and Xanax, plus nearly two pounds of cocaine. And these, like I said, these are the people that you should be I able to trust with your drinks. And like being that desperate for sex is insane to me. Mm-hmm. Just go masturbate. Yeah, or like be a decent person and like you'll get sex. Like I I don't have enough sleep I don't have enough faith in humanity to be like just be a decent person. But you can be gross and creepy. Just leave other people alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, it's, it's just I'm, it's it's really sad. I'm reading this article it says um one undercover officer had a drug dealer at the club bragged to him about knowing the owner and later explained how much GHB to use on women depending on their weight. We continued to investigate. We found out that these dealers were being ushered through security. Some of them were security and management knew all about it and were just allowing this to happen inside their club. And that's just one that got seized. Like we don't. Yeah, this is just one that got caught. And this happens all the fucking time in Las Vegas. I was just about to say. Obviously. Yeah. It's so fucked up, and it's like it just no always having I to be on the. There. there, there are these like rings that women can buy to like dip their finger in their drinks to see if there's date rape drugs in it. I think there's nail polish too. Nail polish also, and like, but I don't know which ones it tests for. You know, either, right? Because some of them are some of them are legal. I didn't know that people use Ambien. Mm-hmm. I am. There was one night. It was one of the first nights that I was out when I was single. And I'm a cheap date, but like I got so fucked up and I do not know how. I don't remember getting home and I was making out with this one guy all night who was just like a really slimy, shitty person. Like him and I kind of stayed in touch because I didn't remember him being slimy and shitty. But I always wonder if I was drugged because I was so I was completely blacked out. I don't black out. The only time I ever blacked out was in Mexico my summer before college. I don't black out and I don't remember. I'm sure when you blacked out in Mexico too, you were like, I did this to myself. Oh yeah. I, I was on a catamaran. Out. I was on a booze yeah. cruise. That happens. Some, Mex- something about Mexico drinking on a boat mm-hmm. in the tropical weather mm-hmm. makes you just want to drink by the water. Whenever I'd ask for water, they'd say Mexican water and then they would give me tequila. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, shake you upside down. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. God, such a good time. But no, I, I always wonder because I was just like, I, the people that you think that you can trust or you're having a good time with, you actually don't know them until you know them. And like it can, and maybe it wasn't this slimy, shitty guy. Maybe it was the bartender. There's no way to know. There's, you can't trust anybody. And it's just the fact that we have to do things like create nail polish and rings that can test for drugs and drinks is, a band-aid and it's something we have to do but it's fucked up that we do i think that uh we need to band together as women to just bring flasks with, with us i actually have been thinking <laughs> a lot about doing that like just bring a flask it's cheaper it's safer <laughs> they have um uh whatever like i think it's called like a like bar boobs and you can fill oh. up your bra with, it's like a camelback, but it's a bra. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I want to like buy some straw? of them. Sounds... Well, you can't pat me down there. <laughs> no. And you know what? Uh, Don't put it into a cup. I'm sure for a while we'll all be wearing masks That's at like true. raves and whatnot. 
Oh. So just, you know. I'm putting cocaine in my mask. No, I'm, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, deep. That's funny. No, but yeah, I think that there's going to be ways that we can all sneak our drugs in because, or not our drugs, well, I'm in, I'm in music festival mindset. I should sneak our <laughs> drinks in because I, this all came out like right before year was this. Well, I guess this happened in August of 2018. But, like, I, after That's reading this... Recent. It is pretty recent. And the world shut down, like, you know, a year and a half later. But it's... I mean, I'm sure that since this came out, they've gotten better at hiding it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think this shit changes. I don't think that one club being caught for doing this is going to change, like, the foundation of... This foundation of club. The foundation of this culture. No. It's fucked. Not at all. And that's why it is called rape culture, because there is... There are things that surround this behavior that contribute to um, us, like, not normalizing it, but, like, becoming blind to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't start with just something as wild as, um, you know, being blatantly drugged and taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. It, It starts with something smaller before that. Yep. It's kind of like a serial killer, like... They don't just become a serial killer. They probably did something worse before. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a gateway drug. It's like you get away with groping a girl in a a bar, in a crowded bar, then you're going to keep up in the stakes. Nobody goes Mm -hmm. right to, I mean, maybe some people do. I don't think a lot of, like, everybody goes right to rape. I have actually a really insane story to tell you about someone. One of my male friends um, told me about a guy he knew in college who, like, treated him like he was taking my friend under his wing but uh he's actually an absolute creep I was like do you think that he could murder someone and my friend was like honestly I would not be surprised (gasps) if he did but he told my friend um stuff like uh if he wanted to get a girl drunk to get like um one of the drinks from like a drive-through that had the really wide straws, I think McDonald's, because they'll drink more faster, so they'll get drunk faster. Um, and he said a bunch of other creepy shit. What I'm the gonna, fuck? Yeah, I'm gonna have to ask him what else, like what other kinds of things he he taught, quote unquote, taught him. Um, but like, there, the point is, is like, there's just men like that that exist that are creepy and intentionally preying on women. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you have male friends that are saying shit like that, this just goes right back to, like, fucking call them out. Mm-hmm. That's fucked. That is objectively fucked up. Like, if you are keeping friends, I'm not saying that your friend was keeping this friend because clearly he recognized oh, no. that this was a bad person. <laughs> but if you are, if you have friends that are very obviously problematic, they you shouldn't want them to be your friend. No. Period. Like, you shouldn't want to keep, you are the friends that you keep. Period. And, like, if you don't want to be associated with something that's so ugly, then you need to either set them straight if you love them or just cut them loose if you if you can live without them. Period. I don't know, dude. Also, if, like, uh, every single one of your girlfriends tells you that one of your male friends makes them uncomfortable... Yeah. You need to, to stop being friends with that guy. Yeah. I... I don't know, like, because I'm thinking of an experience that Amelia and I both had where this guy made us uncomfortable, and um, he made us uncomfortable. It's when I was, I was, like, new to being 
friends with Amelia, so I wasn't comfortable saying something. Like, I don't like this guy. Um, But the more I got close to, like, these girls, (laughs) this group of girls, every single one of them was like, hey, what do you think about that guy? And I was like, honestly, I do not like him. And they were like, fucking hate that guy. And I was like, how are we all on the same page? And how the fuck is this guy still around? Mm -hmm. That was another perfect example of manipulation. He was practiced. He was a very practiced manipulator. But I felt like I had an advantage being new because I was like, "Uh, I don't like you. Mm -hmm. And I get the option to not be around you. (laughs) He used to message me my first couple of weeks at work. He would message me on Skype and be like, you just walked by my desk. You look really hot. Like, Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I really like those pants. Da-da-da. And he would say stuff like, what's your favorite part of your body? And I would just be like, oh, my lips. Because I had feet. Yeah. <laughs> my nose. I don't know. What's something not sexy? Um, my feet. My dirty, stinky asshole. <laughs> <laughs> my poopy butthole. <laughs> I never wipe. Do you like that? <laughs> you like that? You like skid marks, daddy? <laughs> Someone does. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I feel like um, poopy butt. <laughs> Changed my diaper, papa. <laughs> God, I wish. I wish I did. Oh, my God. I'm sure looking back at it now, when you have Ugh. zero fucks, you would have. Oh, fuck. But he, I was new there, and, and just like how I was saying last week about the higher up at the company, like, these people know that, like, they're they're working with people, they're dealing with people that are afraid to come forward. Anyway, all this to say, I ended up going to HR about it. I don't know if I've told you about this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I ended up going to HR about this because I was like, I came from a place that was extremely toxic to the point that I thought that this was a test. Like, I thought that they were, yeah, that's how bad my old workplace was. Oh, my God. I know. So I went to HR, and HR was it like... It wasn't a test. This guy is just really terrible. Yeah, he's actually just a predator. <laughs> Low-key, high-key. So I went to HR, and HR was basically like, have you told him to stop? Yeah, dude. Are you And my boss me? at the time, who's long, long gone from the company, but she, was, she said the same thing. She's like, have you asked him to stop? I'm like, no, I'm scared of him. What do you mean? Um, my safety and the future of my career and my happiness at work shouldn't depend on me telling a predator to stop. Please stop. Yeah. That's your job. And you shouldn't have hired him in the first place. I was appalled. I was like, what the fuck do you mean? Did I ask him to stop? That's not, I shouldn't be put in the position to deal with people like this. Anyway, I, I never told him to stop because if you know this guy, he's kind of a force. <laughs> he has a presence that is a little, um, sort of, I almost called him a, a like brick wall, but that's too close to brick house. <laughs> and we like brick houses. We love brick houses. He's, he is very, um, he's hard to topple because he will have an excuse for everything. If you ask him to stop, he's like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. You took it the wrong way. Oh, he's perfect at the Darvo. Yep. Oh Manipulation my God. He, like, tactic. Darvo. I've noticed the something common with like men like that is they're very good with their words, so they confuse you. Uh huh. And then you f- walk away feeling like a jackass. Yep. Like you want to confront them about something, and then you're like, "Hey, this hurt my feelings. What are you doing?" Yeah. And then they confuse you mm-hmm. by like 
making like flipping away flipping around the conversation and directing it back at you yeah but they do it so smoothly that you're like wait I I guess I'm sorry yes and that's the thing my ex was a master at that but that's the whole thing with like HR too being like did you ask him to stop because these people will use it like well she never asked me to stop you shouldn't have done it in the first like this is obviously Mm -hmm. you're not an idiot this is problematic behavior. It's like, okay, now I ask you to stop and you're an asshole to me and then I can't be friends with anybody else at work because you have control of the circumstance. Yeah. And <clears throat> honestly, I, I'm i sorry if you are listening and you work in HR, but like HR is there to protect the company. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a you. fuck about you. No. And that makes me really sad to say that. My last job didn't even have an HR department. Holy so. shit. There are, there are a couple That's of people. That's why it was toxic. <laughs> There's, yeah, I mean, fuck. I don't, I don't even know who worked in HR at the company that I was at before our company because they didn't give a single fuck. And I don't know who works in HR at the company that we're at now that we're bigger, but there are people in HR at our company, our smaller company before we got acquired that were good people and I trusted. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. And like in the times that I needed that protection, there was nobody there for me, and and it's it's that feels dramatic to say because I wasn't no in we da- I to, wasn't in danger with we, this guy, but I didn't know that at the time. You maybe you weren't in like immediate like physical danger, but your well being was in mm-hmm. danger. Yes, and that's enough. Like your emotional stability and like the fact that you felt uncomfortable enough to go to HR. Yeah, speaks volumes. Yes, and like you shouldn't be questioned in that way. That's entirely inappropriate yep. yep for them to be like oh you're being sexually harassed did you ask him to stop yeah uh I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> can I do that at work yeah maybe you shouldn't employ someone who sexually harasses multiple women yes and we're so used to it being turned on us that like we it, it's our responsibility to fix a problem and it turns into a victim blaming situation like well you didn't ask him to stop it's like well, and what's the likelihood that you would falsely say something like that? All that matters is that you were uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That is the most important thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's so fucked up. That's, that's the furthest I'll go about that. Me too. God, we It makes me mad. Me too. Um, Was there anything else we needed to talk about? We've been talking for an hour and a half. No. I think that that's it. Yeah. It feels weird to wrap this up because yeah. I feel like this is like a never ending conversation. Well, and I mean, it is a never ending conversation. So I think that the future episodes that we record, we're going to continue having these kinds of conversations, especially because yes. I don't think either of us doubt that we're going to have plenty of you sharing your stories with us. Yeah. And we love that and we respect that. And we love you. And know that if you come to us about anything, like there's been a lot of instances where people have come to Liz and I individually. And I don't know who's come forward to Liz. Liz doesn't know who's come forward to me. Like we're, mm-hmm. we, we keep this stuff secret. Like you don't need to be concerned about your identity being like given to even either one of us, <laughs> let alone publicly. So if you feel like you want to share something, but you're concerned about your privacy, know that you can trust us. Um, if we haven't exposed the shithead men <laughs> that have done terrible things to us, we will absolutely protect That's you. That's such a good point. But we would love to hear from you. We want to, we've said this a million times, we want to make this podcast as inclusive as possible. Um, again, everything that we've talked about is what we've experienced. 
we know that there have been experiences that we haven't touched on. And Mm -hmm. like I said, it feels weird wrapping this up because there are so many things that we need to talk about. We agreed that this was just going to be a two part series. But again, we want to keep talking about this on future episodes. So if you want to if you want to hear anything from us or if you have any thoughts about any of this, please email us or slide into our DMs anything we yeah we want to continue the conversation yeah we know it doesn't end here it doesn't end in a two-part series no. podcast <laughs> my god uh, imagine if we just had our two-part series and that ended all <laughs> sexual harassment and assault Gosh. god if it was that easy wouldn't that be nice yeah in a perfect world yeah all we all we can do is continue facilitating conversations and yes. talking about it Yep. So thank you so much for listening. And um, next week we are going to have our first guest. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're going to be talking about attachment styles. I'm so excited. And the book Attached, which I will try and get an audio book version and listen to before we record. But I'm going to do what I did in um, college and read a Sparknotes version. We're going to do some Sparknote versions of... uh, the book attached but um if you guys want to learn more about attachment issues and our friend that will be our guest is very entertaining so it's going to be a blast and it's going to be a nice little change of pace from um these last two heavy episodes and the previous two where you uh had to listen to my voice (laughs) that was so good no i'm not just saying you did such a good job alone i was like fuck yeah that's it's not the same without you well, so, good. I'm like, she's going to yeah, just take I'll never the do this, this by myself. <laughs> that makes me happy because you could very easily do it by yourself. Oh, God, no. <laughs> anyway, we love you. We're not going to sing again. No. It's next not week we'll sing. We'll yeah. sing extra next week just mm-hmm. to make up for last time. But yeah. um, we love you. And thanks for listening. Yeah.